Hey heroes, welcome to On Scene First. I'm your host, Tracy Eldridge. With over 25 years in public safety, I am wicked excited and honored to bring you entertaining, educational, and empowering conversations with public safety difference makers who are harnessing the power of -of out-of-the-box thinking when it comes to using the latest and greatest must-have technology tools, a people-first leadership approach, and mental health resources to save lives on both sides of the call. Before we get started, I would like to say thank you to our premier sponsor, NGA911. With their reliable cloud-based end-to-end NG911 solutions, I am super confident they can fulfill your needs when it comes to next-gen core services, call handling, data analytics, and much more. Oh, and did I mention it is affordable and customizable? Make sure you visit our friends at www.nga911.com and tell them Tracy sent you. Now, on with the show. Hey guys, I am so excited or wicked excited, which I normally am, to have you guys on my show. Um, First, I'm going to get into your introductions in just a second, but I have with me David Odom and Kim Powell. Um, We're going to, I'm going to let them introduce their name is really consolidated. Hold on. I'm going to let you guys introduce which which agency and how it's titled in in just a second. But I'm really excited to have you guys here because we are going to talk about some really cool stuff that you guys are doing at your center. So David, I'm going to let you go first. Can you give me a formal introduction so my listeners know who you are, where you're working, and uh, how long you've been in that position? Yeah, my name is David Odom. I'm with the Consolidated Dispatch Agency here in Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, I've been the director since June of last year, so 2021 is where I got here. And so before that, I was with the Tallahassee Police Department for 28 years and a major at that level and was asked to come over to be the director here at the Consolidated Dispatch. And what an honor that has been. Um, yeah, that's what you can call it, right? <laughs> well, um, it, it, it was a different experience. I was always on the other side of the radio. So to get on this side of the radio and, and really appreciate the, the challenges that are happening on this side is, is, is eye-opening here. And a whole new appreciation of what's happening on this side of the radio, for sure. Yeah, and we're, we're going to have a lot to unpack in just a few minutes. But Kim, would you please introduce yourself and the position that you have at the Consolidated Dispatch Center. Sure, my name's Kim Powell. My position title is Behavioral Health Wellness Coordinator. So I coordinate this ground from zero to up wellness program that David Odom as a director created. My background long time ago was advocacy, uh, first response crisis intervention work. But with that, I had an opportunity to see the impact that the exposure to crimes and trauma has on our first responders. So that actually motivated me to go back to school and get all the licensing, education, credentials to do work with first responders. So when this opportunity came up, jumped on it. And I'll tell you, when I first heard about what you were doing, so Joby Smith from Baldwin County, Alabama, had reached out to me, said, I want to make an introduction to some folks. Are you you okay with that? When he told me what you're doing, I said, absolutely. Uh, Because my listeners know that I am a huge advocate for mental health and wellness in the 9-1 center, as well as behavioral stuff. Like I, you know, I, I do a lot with the DISC human behavior model and just how we can be better people. Um, But we first have to start with ourselves, right? Like, I think that's that's super important, but we are going to talk. There, there's a ton of little topics that I already know that I want to talk with you guys about. But David, first, I'm going to ask you, how challenging was it for you to come in as a law enforcement outsider, if you will, to the 911 space into a center um, that we know every center needs work. Every single center needs work these days. Uh, some more than others. I'm not sure what the state of the center was when you came in, uh, but how challenging was it for you to come into a very unfamiliar territory? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, 
completely overwhelmed, obviously, for the first probably four or five months here, just trying to get solid footing. The challenges of this center is really staffing, and that's the, a national challenge, uh, yeah. not here just in Tallahassee, but nationally here. And so, and I'll give you some rough numbers here. We were at a 30% vacancy rate, and that's a 30% vacancy rate when I got here. That's a lot. Uh, that's a, it was a significant challenge, and for an organization, what we were faced with was a lot of mandatory overtime, significant mandatory overtime, where I would say, you know, we, we run 12-hour shifts, and so they would typically have 14 days off a month, as what they're scheduled to. Of those 14 days, they were required to work five to six of them as wow. mandatory overtime. And so some significant challenges with staffing. And so we really went after the staffing component, but which really led us into some struggles. And the struggles that we really came across was this burnout, just exhaustion, this ability to, to repeatedly take these types of calls that just weigh on our folks here. And as an organization, when I first got here, we had four employees um, that were out on Family Medical Leave Act just because of mental health issues. They were experiencing just an overwhelming um, level of stress. And so that's a shock to me. It referenced to we didn't have that at the, the law enforcement level, those kinds of numbers that we were seeing. And so that kind of led us to the belief that, hey, we need to do more. And we really looked at our EAP plan. And when we were looking at the EAP plan, quickly recognized that it was not enough. And we could talk a lot about our EAP play plan, which is probably consistent to others. Those plans are very much geared towards the general population. They were not necessarily geared towards first responders. We were getting a lot of feedback from staff that, hey, there wasn't much value there. We're not sure why we, we would go. We, heck, I had one staff member tell me that, Hey, I got there by the time I left, I had the counselor crying as much as I was crying because of the things I was telling them. Right, and right. So, yeah, so that, that created a different dynamic for us for sure. And so that led to creating the position full-time within the center um, really to kind of address some of these systemic issues, ongoing concerns that we have here, reference to mental health. You know, initially, I think it was a little bit of no pushback, a little bit of confusion from staff of how this would work and, and confidentiality and all those kinds of things that go with it. And, and we've worked through that over the last probably six months or so to kind of deal with some of those challenges. And I think we're at a better place today than we were when we started. For sure. So. And that's that's amazing that you saw that that quickly because I know a lot of folks that come in to take over a 911 center, whether they're from within the trenches or not, you know, it's it's super overwhelming. And the question begs like, where do you start? Right. right. So well, you gotta you gotta update this and you gotta bring in this, and, and a lot of it is that that task mentality, like, like what are the programs that we need to get in place and how are they, how can they better handle calls or locate people? And, and we know that all of these kind of go in hand in hand, right? Like the better the technology, the better they can process the call, which proves to be better outcomes. But the fact that you saw right out of the gate that there was a bigger need to, to bring somebody like Kim in and not even know what it was going to look like. So Kim, tell me about how you were approached to being an on-staff 24-7 resource to the telecommunicators. And I'm going to get more into the actual program itself and what you guys are doing. Uh, but but what were your thoughts or, you know, how were you approached on this and and, and what were your initial thoughts on that? Um, so Director Odom and I have known each other many, many years ago. I worked for the same law enforcement agency that major at. So we, we have had a professional relationship. So when he first got in, there was a couple of phone calls of consulting type of work. Of, these are some of the concerns that we're seeing here. And there, so there was a little bit of those kind of conversations. But he, he utilized some other resources in the community and, and trying to get guidance of how to approach the concerns, and which I think eventually led him to making a decision of, I want to have a full-time person on staff. And so ultimately when that position was created and advertised, I put in for it and went through that process. But I was excited about the opportunity because first of all, it's uncommon. We're seeing full-time staff wellness coordinators and some first responder work like law enforcement agencies, but we haven't seen those at 
telecommunication agency. So I was excited about the opportunity to be connected to something that was new and innovative. And I, I just love the idea of being here as a 24-hour resource to call takers when they have, you know, you know what we consider maybe a critical incident type of call and being able to assist them right then and there. And then also, I mean, the, the program's a little bit broader than just the mental health component. It's all the dimensions of wellness. And so we're addressing lots of needs as well. And because of the type of work that they do, the shift work, the amount of hours that they spend here, we're, we're bringing those resources to the agency. So addressing agency-wise as well as individuals. That's really cool. And, and when we talked the first time, I couldn't be more excited about some of the things that that you guys have in place that that you're doing um director odom how how would you say that the folks on the floor have been receiving a full-time wellness professional on on site is it is it being well received is it are they skeptical do you have resistance i'm just curious what the major consensus is well, I, I think first there was some hesitation, just not sure how it would be implemented and, and the direction it would go. However, I, I would argue the point that when I when I got here day one, um, I told staff here that I had a singular focus, and that singular focus was on you, you the employee. And ironically enough, I'm a theme guy, and I hate to say that, but you know, everything we kind of do is based on a theme, and the theme. Um, for 2021 was, hey, we're going to be the, the year of the you. And the year of the you was, we're going to focus our efforts on you. Is that a multitude of different ways? So that's benefits, that's through bonuses, that's through pay packages, and then mental health. And this, how do we improve the environment in the room? I was very singularly focused on that. And so I think when I first got here, we started mentioning this concept of Hey, we're focused on you. There was a little bit of resistance to that because it was like, well, that's been done before, or that's what all the directors say when they get here. And there's some resistance to that. Yep. And, and we've had several directors here since the organization's been formed eight years ago. And so I think there was a belief that, okay, here we go again. Is he really going to do this? And so there was that, a lot of that, a lot of talk. And I jokingly talk about my calculator and the calculator and there's a big smile in the room is because I'll manipulate that budget any way I can to make things happen for staff. And people have talked about that. But when I, when we started kind of coming around and making things, these positions and pay raises and bonuses and all, you know, we pay it double time as opposed to time and a half for overtime, all these things that they have seen are like, Oh my goodness. I think that helped with this, wellness program because people really started seeing tangible results from what we were trying to implement. And Kim coming online, and she's right, I've known Kim for a very, very long time. And so it's a strong professional relationship that we've built over the years. And I knew that this was the right person to come in to do this work for our staff. And then shortly, they start recognizing, hey, this is the right person, because then they started building strong relationships with Kim, not just when I had a crisis, And this is the argument that I would say sincerely is Kim being here 24 seven is not about there's a crisis every second of the moment here. It's about engagement throughout the day. And it's not just singly focused on that was a really bad call. That was a really, really difficult event I had to work through. It's more about how's your world outside of the center as opposed to what's happening just in the center. And we don't want to get that lost. It's not just what happened here about a call. It was more this wholeness approach about them. So I think when they started seeing that approach to the program, there was a lot of buy-in, a lot more support. I jokingly said, there's a line outside Kim's door. You know, you have to sign up to get an opportunity to come see Kim because there's so much engagement now. And it's been beneficial both ways. I think there's some conversation from from our level from the management level of, of trying to work through some, because we've made some changes here as an organization. So it helps them understand some of those changes and then vice versa, there's some feedback of Kim to say, hey, don't forget the person um, when we're implementing this program. That's, that's so, so there's two things that I'm going to come back. So the first one I'm going to come back to, because you cannot just slide in there double time for, for what double time, double time and a half, whatever it was for overtime. We're going to come back and touch that one because that I'm sure folks are going to be like, what, what, what did he just say? Um, And we'll talk about that. But the other thing you made a point of that, 
that I've been really adamant about in many of my training classes. And you guys, I was so appreciative that you came to one of my classes that I did in Baldwin County. And I think you'll recall me saying this, and it sounds like it's something that you guys are doing, is we have to stop telling people to leave their problems outside the door of the communication center. Kim, would you agree with that? You know, as, as the mental health professional for years and years, we've been training people to leave your problems at the door. You can't bring your home life stuff into the dispatch dispatch center. I'm trying to change that narrative. Do you think I'm on the right track by doing that? I do. I, with any career, you come into it as a human first, right? And so the idea that you can just, you know, turn something off and on just really isn't reality, but life stressors are happening. And so if there's certain aspects of their life that we can work on to mitigate some of the stressors, then that helps your tolerance level of being able to work through this job. And so that's what we look at the whole picture. Like, what? okay, so, you know, not to get deep into <laughs> as like a session, but like what's in your control or what changes can we make? Where where, what, what are your life stressors? I mean, health issues, you know, family dynamics, financial things. And, you know, is there changes or improvements we can make there to help your tolerance level for here? Cause they're all interrelated. And that's, and that's amazing. And so you, you mentioned financial stuff. Didn't you guys bring in a financial advisor or you're bringing in somebody that's a financial person to help with, help your staff with things outside of the center? Yeah, so that was one of the initiatives where, you know, I call it a financial series. So whether it's once a month or, or, or however it lands, but bringing in experts in different financial aspects. So someone came in and, and is, did a educational uh, segment on budgets or buying your first house or credit scores and, you know, opportunity to ask questions to sit down with the person. And I think two weeks, we have someone that's coming in to talk about our pension, our our retirement plan here at our organization. So, you know, to start early with retirement planning, or if you're getting close to retirement. So yes, financial is a is a big part of our lives. And so what resources can I we bring in to help with those. Yeah. And then director Odom, we're going to come back because the financial aspect, come back to what you said about what you're doing for overtime and what you found. I know we had a conversation about it, how you kind of got to this conclusion and has it been beneficial in assisting with getting shifts covered? So let's, let's peel back that layer for sure. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting one. I, you know, the, the, the reality is with, with how we have mandatory overtime it's a challenge to staff it. And so I I get hit hard on this topic. Uh, Any director does about, you know, this mandatory overtime you're working as you're working as. And I would say this, so is I I recognize those dynamics in the room. You know, we can talk about recruiting and everything we're doing there too, because it it just coincides with how we're dealing with staffing. So what we we come back to is that, hey, listen, I understand that we're working our staff hard, extremely hard. And so they need to be compensated at a program. And so to, just to say, well, we're, we're giving you time and a half wasn't enough. And the reason why I say that is because, they, you know, we're, we're doing those staffing levels where they need to come in and work those five days, and, uh, you know, extra a month. Now think about that five extra days a month that you're coming in on. And so for them, that was time away from family, time away from just life decompression, all those types of things. So we decided that we're going to do double time to help compensate that. Now, I'll be blunt with you. I got a little pushback from floor members by saying, well, you're just trying to buy us. You're trying to buy us off, but must have stopped complaining about staffing um, levels. And the response was, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to buy anybody off. I'm just trying to pay you appropriately to what I feel that you deserve. And, and there, a lot of this is trust. As a new director coming into an organization, we're constantly trying to build trust with staff. And the way you build trust is by action, um, yeah. not just talking by action. So, so with that, we've implemented that program. I also did something else to the staffing on night shift. Staffing on night shift is always difficult because we're working 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And so we came back with the, the magic calculator and said, hey, all those nap nights, the folks that work at night shift, we're going to pay them an additional $2 an hour um, for nights. And so those are significant 
changes in people's lives. And as we were going through, it's funny now we're sitting back and we're talking to staff and very young people here. And there's like, hey, I want to, I want to buy a new home. I'm making good money now. How, how do I buy a new home? And, and that's where Kim comes into play. And, and we have some folks here saying that I was able to, to pay off some debt that I didn't have. Those are life stressors that we're trying to eliminate here. Um, so your people are seeing the benefits. Now, did it improve staffing on the floor? And the answer is yes. It, you know, do I still have the numbers? And yes, we're still working with those numbers here that we're still trying to dwindle down. Uh, we think the word mandatory overtime is the nastiest phrase in, in the business, and Agreed. we're trying to eliminate it. Yeah. Um, but ironically enough, when I got different different staffing levels and more people started volunteering for overtime levels, others were complaining that they weren't getting enough overtime because they had become accustomed. Shenanigans. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. They had to come accustomed to a certain salary package they would receive every two weeks. And so it's a constant battle, but we're trying to find that happy medium and that balance there for everyone. Well, I think, so I'm, I'm in the process of writing a, a training class, a one hour session for a national conference on negativity, which is just, you know, in general, it's, we, we tend to be negative and sure. especially these days, right? Like with everything, with the climate that's out there and everything that's going on, we tend to be negative. We search for the negative negative. And, and it's one of those, you know, scenarios where I just won the lottery, but I'm going to focus on having to pay all those taxes, right? Like it's, it, it does take time to move from a negative mindset, an untrusting mindset to one where it's like, is this real? Is this, is this true? Is it going to stay this way? I mean, is there an ulterior motive? And so I think it sounds like you may have done, done this right. Would you agree? I, I, I would, I, I would, and again, I'll go back to themes. Um, 2022, we've changed the theme. 22 has been the theme of the why, you know, and we, we need to constantly remember, remind our folks here the why. And, and if I have to say anything about this program that I'm extremely proud about with Kim is, you know, we had an incident where Kim reached out to the family and had engaged with a family of their son drowning in the backyard pool. And we had this event happen and Kim working with the family were able to get the family to, to come in and, and engage with our staff, all of our staff, not just the employee, but all, all members of the CDA and engage with them. And after they tell their story about what happened and, and how following protocols and following the right procedures, their son survived. 19 years old and he survived that drowning in the backyard pool because our operators are telling them how to do CPR and working through the protocols and getting them there. And the reality is, is that the young man survived. That's and amazing. It's an amazing story. And, and it's, it's not unique to that one uh, communications officer. It was it's unique to the, to the whole center, to the business and to the core of what we do every day. And so at the result of that though, you know, our folks were crying in the room, the family's crying in the room. And when they leave, if there's ever any doubt about why we're in the business, this is the reason why we're in the business. And if right. you don't feel like you're not making an impact on someone else's life, you're wrong. This family has changed. That event has changed that entire family, their structure here. And the reality for us, sometimes we think that's just what, it's another day at work. Right. And we lose sight of that. And Kim, through her work, reminds folks that it's not just another day at work. It's another day that we're changing the lives of others. And, and that's really key what Kim does on a day-to-day -day basis. And Kim, you you have to know too, right, is, is how important it is for folks to see those positive results, right? And even if it isn't a positive result, that telecommunicator may have made a difference in that day, in that person's worst worst moment. So, you know, when you when you did that, um, hopefully you're going to do that some more. Are you going to try to find places where where you can reunite the telecommunicator with the person that ultimately was saved? Because I think that's huge. They don't get that enough. Yeah, we, we call that, I guess, you know, we have names for things, but remembering the why. Why do you, why do, you do this work? Because that that can be challenged. That's, that is challenged every day, you know, driving home at 6 a.m. And, and the long shifts, you know, and all the calls in between. So it's those ones of to reinforce the why, the why, the why. And so, yeah, we had an incredible opportunity to have a family who was willing to come in, who was so appreciative and, 
I wanted the opportunity to say thank you. And I, and you know, and us, they don't hear that very often at all. So really honored that we, we were able to make that happen and hope to make it happen. You know, there's law enforcement officers who lives have been saved, obviously, because of the work that the dispatchers do. Uh, dispatchers keep all of our first responders safe. And, and I think if they hear that more and more, you know, reinforcing the job that they do, the impact that they're making on people's lives, uh, you know, helps, helps. Do you guys have anything else in place? I know a couple of agencies that I work with um, on a consulting basis are using things like guardian tracking and other solutions where they are able to catch them doing it right and give positive praise. Is there anything that you guys have implemented where you're able to kind of just show people that they're shining, even though they may not feel that way right now? Yeah, it, you know, typically that happens a lot with quality assurance, um, you know, and everybody, a lot of folks look at quality assurance as a negative, and we look at it just the opposite of, yeah. hey, there's a, there's a lot of positive that's happening here, and, and it's interesting because, we, you know, through, through quality assurance, we, we really pick up on some really amazing calls yeah. that have happened here, and and those are, those are just attributes of what's happening here on a day-to-day basis. The, the ironic part about it, though, is that when we this incident that we're talking about with this family, you know, we didn't know about it. We didn't hear about it. Our the communications officer didn't know the outcome, and he was working through CPR and getting the family to get CPR, and they were doing the rhythm and and they were following the protocols. Well, of course, law enforcement shows up on scene, so they take over CPR and they're starting to work CPR. EMS shows up, and you know, the family does what? They disconnect the call. Yeah. Um, and that's what happens. And so through quality assurance and all that, that's how we hear about the call coming back online. And a testament to our operator and to many, and I don't want to single out our one operator. First of all, he says, hey, I don't remember the call. I don't remember it at all. Um, he has to be reminded and has to listen to the call playback to remember what happened. And then when the family was very adamant about saying thank yous, um, he, he didn't want to be signaled out. No. He said, listen, it could have been, it could have been Kim. It could have been Bob. It could have been anybody in the room would have done the same thing I did. Please don't single me out as an individual here. I'm just, I just did my part that day. And that just goes to show the testament of the folks that we have in the room in the industry itself. They're yeah. just here to help. They're not looking for the recognition. They're just here to help. And 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 so a lot of times we find it difficult to even praise your own staff because they don't want to be singled out. <laughs> right. Uh, and well, so and then and then I think the other piece of it too is that if you choose not to single them out, like so I know that there's different types of personalities that some love praise, right? So <laughs> in the disc human behavior model. The eyes, they love to be praised. The the D styles, they just like to know that they're kind of doing a great job. So they want to kind of hear the accolades. Uh, but then the more reserved folks, they're just like, nah, I'm good. Like I don't, I don't, I don't need you to, to put me up on a pedestal, right? Um, but I do think it's important to keep marching forward and making sure that they're recognized, especially publicly, right? Because a lot of folks don't even know what the role of the telecommunicator is, right? And I think that's an interesting point, though, because, you know, we, we talked about telecommunications week coming here soon. Right. Yeah. And and next what, next month. And, we, and during that conversation, you know, we focus a lot on them individually. But I think the year this year is our focus is going to be is the public coming into the center. We're, we're more interested in having the public come in, local leaders come in and just the average citizen to come in and see what it's like. Yeah. Or, you know, and so we're actually talking about doing. A, you know, they talk about a citizens police academies. No, we're going to talk about a citizens communications academy where you come in and you learn what's actually happening when that 911 call was made, what actually happens behind the scenes here. And so that's a program that through Kim and the wellness comp- component of all this is developing, hey, how do we get this more community outreach here? Because they see value when the public understands what's happening. Folks on in the art center here really appreciate the fact that the community is engaged and they understand what's really happening behind the scenes. And so that's part of what Kim's trying to promote as well, which is great. And I know, and I know, Kim, you're probably, and I think I might've asked you before, but just for the folks that are listening and Director Odom is, I'm sure you guys are keeping track of numbers, right? Like I'm not a numbers person, I hate numbers, but I'm sure that you're building a case 
to, to say five years from now, hey, look, look at what we've accomplished. Yes, we were, you know, at a very low staffing level here, but over time, we're proving that by putting wellness at the forefront and, you know, honestly, a tour for somebody on the outside, somebody may ask like, well, what does that have to do with wellness? It gives them a sense of, of belonging or a sense of being in need, right? And then even just showing somebody technology, that they have that's available to them to stop our folks from saying, you know, when somebody says on the phone, you know, you can't see my location. Well, unfortunately I can't. And, and these are the reasons why, right. Or, or maybe sometimes I can, maybe sometimes I can't. And it, all of it works. Like all of it's coming full circle. Are you, I mean, obviously you're, you're going to be tracking some numbers, but I just want to hear it from you. Yeah, this is (laughs) obviously we, we want to see where we are. Like, what, what did we start? What was our base here? And what, what's our measurement here? And and that was kind of the, the conversation that Kim and I had is, hey, what's success? What, what is the definition of success here? Is it just retention levels are lower? Or is it I have a ha- healthier em- em- employee on the floor? How do I measure that? Right. You know, how do I, you know, we don't walk around saying, oh, are you healthy today? Or are you not healthy mm-hmm. today? You know, it's, you know, how do we do that? And so that's been a little bit of a challenge of, of, of how do we kind of set some benchmarks here? I think the way that we've been trying to put it together is, hey, how much engagement do we get from staff to the program? That's really what we're trying to strive from is that we're seeing this continual growth through the program of a more and more engagement. And that, I think, is the biggest indicator that people believe in the program. They see value. If they don't see value in the program, they won't engage in the program. Right. And I think that's where our benchmark is really going to be is how well we're progressing here as an organization, as a program here. Now, and I'll let Kim talk about some of these other things like the programs that are outside the organization, like with Mike and, and all. Um, there's some other programs that she's bringing online and to see if we can get more engagement um, outside of work to start building some strong relationships. Because what happens here is like any center, you know, closing times at six o'clock for day shift. Do not stand in front of the door at six o'clock, all right? Because no. you'll get run over. They're trying to get the heck out of here. And the folks coming on at six are trying to get in the door. It is a traffic jam. And so, yeah. the, you know, we've got to build a little bit more of a family unity here of the things that are happening outside of just what's happening inside the center here. And, uh, yeah. and so Kim's done a lot of work in this area. So I hope she's going to expand on some of this. Yeah, please do. Please do, Kim. Yeah, so that is one of the first questions, like how do you measure success? And so one of the, what Director Odom mentioned is utilization. And so I I do track, I keep stats. And so every month we're we're looking at those. But honestly, I measure success every single time I have someone that comes to my office that sits down and talks to me. That's a reflection of me of building that trust. Um, And then Recently, Director Odom had an applicant come in. Whenever he, whenever we have applicants, he does kind of an informal meeting with them. And he had someone come in, and I mean, you can tell the story better than I can. But it was it was someone who was referred by an existing employee. And one of the questions was, you know, so you know, how do you find out about us? And and the answer was that it was a referral. And the employee said, she told me that you guys really take care of your people. You really care about your people. And so one, to me, that's a little bit of a shift in the culture. And so I, I take that as a, a measurement of, you know, the success perhaps of the wellness program. And then obviously all the other that the directors made. Well, I just got goosebumps when you said that, because that is, that should be one of the most powerful testaments that you have an employee that's encouraging people to come work at your 9-1 center. That's a big deal. And you should celebrate that. Well, it, it is. And so we, we do a lot of high five and Kevin and I do when we talk about some of these successes and they're small, they're very, very small in nature, but you know, it, it talks about what, what's the difference between climate and culture within an organization the climate is just a, a moment in time. A culture is a fundamental shift. And, and we're not, I, I guess I'm focused on climate, but more importantly, I'm really focused on the culture of the organization that, that they see this value of that management is very much engaged with what they're doing and that we're very supportive of that. And so there's this big kind of cultural change within the organization. And that, that that's important. It's important to all of us when we see that and what we can have this kind of, outreach when an employee sits there and says, hey, they care about us. 
Man, that's huge. That, 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 huge. That, 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 that's, that's huge. Now, I will say this. So we, we did a after the family meeting, you know, mm-hmm. and I talked about the family kind of engagement with the staff here. Um, we had some harsh, not harsh, but kind of some direct conversations about where the organization is and, and some a little bit of a gut check and reality of this is what we're faced with and this is what we need and we need your input. And as you walk out the room, you know, I don't have enough CTOs, certified, you know, the communications training officers. I don't, I don't have enough. Of them. And next thing you know, we walk out of the room and the next day I get a call from our training staff saying, hey, let's, we had four more people put in for that program. Wow. So that's a success because they feel more engaged in the organization, the success of the organization. And this is all kind of connected between what Kim's doing and what we're trying to do on other areas. And that, like, again, I, I'm just super happy with what, I know it's not perfect. I know it's not going to be perfect yeah. anywhere. I'm working with a couple of agencies, as I mentioned, with some contracted stuff. And I do think that trust and buy-in is is really important and to get folks to understand that while your intentions are good, one of the key things that I see you guys doing is you're not just talking about things that you're going to do. You're, you're following through and that's huge to build trust, right? Like, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to bring in you know, therapy dogs, and then it might not happen right away. And everybody gets excited. And then it's a letdown if it doesn't happen. I'm getting better at saying to folks or I'm again, one of the things that I came up short with in my 91 center is my ADHD brain has a lot of thoughts and ideas. And yes, I just put an R on the end of idea. (laughs) I just caught myself. Um, But I have a lot of ideas that come in my head and all these amazing things that I want to do. And I share them because I want others to feel excited. But what I learned is that the more that I shared and the less I followed through, it created a distrust versus the, the positive aspect of me wanting to do something was definitely overshadowed by the fact that I, my failure to execute or follow through was. So you would you agree you have to have that healthy balance of you know, this is what we're going to kind of do, but making sure that the ball is going to be rolling before you start sharing some of the things. Yeah, I, I think you're right. That's why I, I'm, I'm, I talk about themes and I talked about that before is that if you just talk about a general theme of what you're trying to work towards, not get into the specifics of that, I think that's where we found success, that the theme is on you, you know, for last year and this year it's on the why. I didn't really get into the weeds of what that looked like until we were able to implement them here. And so I, I think for some of that, there's some major expectations, but I would also say, and, and I would clearly say, you know, this is not utopia here. Yeah. Uh, let's be bluntly honest with each other here. This is not utopia. We have some struggles here. There's some things that I need to get in place that I haven't gotten in place yet. But when we do an all hands meeting, I am brutally honest with staff. I will, and to the point where I think they're a little shocked of how brutally honest I will be about this is a situation we're faced with. And quite honestly, I need your help. I need your input. And the training program is a good part of that. You know, one minute you're yelling at me that I'm staffing is so bad and we don't have enough, you know, we're doing mandatory overtime. We don't have enough people on the floor. But then I say, well, listen, I've got 12 people in the classroom and I'm trying to get them on the floor and I don't have enough training officers. So I'm, I can't get them on the floor. So you're yelling at me for staff. So let's be honest with each other. I think there's some expectations that need to be set. They need to be honest and they need to be forthright and, and making sure everybody understands what we're looking at. That is how I think we're helping to manage expectations here, um, especially because staffing, because I came in, I said I was going to work on the staffing issue and it has not gone as easily and, and as smoothly as we'd hoped. And so, but I talk about it a lot and they understand it a lot. You know, they understand the position that we're in. And I think that open communication um, the deputy director and I spend every morning, first thing we do for the first 30, 45 minutes, I go to the floor and we spend 30, 45 minutes on the floor, just engaging. And then we do that with the night shift at six o'clock and we engage with them, um, just to make sure they see us and they understand what we're doing. Um, and I think that open communication is key um, to build trust as an organization. So. Well, I will tell you that again, and, and I'll point out, I will call you on all your positive behavior because it, it is important. And while it may not be Camelot or Utopia, as you mentioned, you're doing some things that are very right. And I'm going to come back and ask him a very specific question is you're showing up on the floor. I do surveys of 911 centers to evaluate, catch a pulse, you know, see if it's, if it's bounding or if it's, you know, weak and thready, but 
um, one of the things that I am finding through these surveys that I'm doing with particular agencies is that folks are really wanting to see their leadership team out on the floor. And, and while the leadership team may in their mind be like, they don't, they don't want us out there. They, they, but they do, they want you out there as long as you're being engaging, as long as you're being productive, what is not beneficial is the only time you coming out on the floor is when they've done something wrong. That we're finding is being a, is, is an issue as well. When you, you only see the director or the deputy director or the ops manager on the floor when something goes wrong, that's something that we have to move away from. Kim, the question I want to specifically ask you, because I'm seeing this in, in different places, other people will come and ask me like, hey, I'm really trying to make some of the positive changes that either I've recommended or others have recommended. And they're not getting the quote buy-in from the people on the floor. And it's, oh, they're just doing that for show. They're just doing it for this reason. Kim, what do you, what do, you do for somebody or how do you put the ball back in their court to say, look, we're trying to work through these things. These are the things we're putting in place. But we're, you're still being resistant to that that change. When do you put the responsibility back on the floor staff to say you got to move with us? Yeah, that's such a great question, and I've and I've had to try to find my way with that because you know I I have been in private practice with counseling, and it's really a different relationship because you know I I can challenge people. I think in a, a private setting because I don't have to go to work the next day and face right, it. Right. These are, I'm trying to build relationships at the same time here. So I, that's been something to navigate through. I, I think I always, uh, you know, and I just did it as a recently said, you know, do you, have you taken a step back and, and, and is there any piece of this that you own or that you think that you've done that maybe contributed to how we got here or, you know, there's so much of this that you can't control what aspects do you think you control to improve how you're feeling? So I, I'll, I do ask some challenging questions like that. I don't, by design, I, the intention I think of my isn't, isn't a venting session on administration. Although there's room for that, because I, I, I mean, sometimes like maybe just talking something out and, and letting go of it can help, but I don't think by design that that's what my role is. It's more like, let's, you know, let's look at the big picture and what are aspects that we can improve that you have control over. I know I keep using that word control, but it is important. Yeah. So just trying to let go of the things that, that aren't, aren't in your control, but you know, it's a fine line for me because I don't want to ever be perceived like I'm defending one aspect of the organization or the other because you know, the people that work here, I, they're my primary, you know, that's who I have an obligation to, that's who I'm trying to serve. And so really just trying to navigate those boundaries and and figure that out. That's really, that's, I mean, and that's powerful too, right? Because I am finding situations where we engage with the folks on the floor, whatever the scenario is, is if I'm doing a leadership assessment or, you know, any type of consulting is, the, the folks that are the unhappiest are the ones we're going to hear from, right? So if anybody has the opportunity to, to do a survey or to check in, a lot of times agencies will ask me to come in and do this leadership assessment. And then my response to them is be careful what you wish for, right? Because there's going to be the folks that are the most unhappy, they're going to say some things and you have to kind of find that outlier every once in a while that is just very angry or, or not happy where they are. But I also look at the responses and many of the responses are so generalized that it's it's almost like, is this your stuff or is this the stuff of your leadership team? Like, are you bringing stuff to the table that is maybe negative or kind of defiant? And, you know, there really is a, a healthy balance between the, what the admin can control and what the floor staff can control. We've said on numerous occasions, any of us that do any type of leadership work or consulting, it takes a long time to change that culture. And D- Director Odom, you you made reference to you know the climate versus the culture. And I thought that was really important because 
I think the more we can change the climate on a day-to-day basis, ultimately the culture is just going to get better, right? Right. No, and, and I agree with you. And that's why, you know, when we talk about the environment in the room, that's, they get sick of me saying this, but what's the environment in the room? The environment in the room has got to be engaging and very much supportive. And so that's a day-to-day activity is how are we dealing with that folk? And, and, and that's throughout the organization. That's just not, you know, we call it the floor, but it's not just the, the, the call takers. It goes all the way through the administration here. Of, hey, are we contributing negatively to the climate in the floor? And, and what are we doing? Decisions that we make, we need to look at, hey, there's another side to this. And this is why Kim is part of this executive staff that I put together. And she sits at the table with executive staff and to remind me, hey, don't forget, you know, when you do this, there's going to be a ripple effect on the yeah. floor or somewhere else in the room. And so are we are we negatively impacting that climate? And, and it's, it's very, very helpful to have Kim there to just, hey, don't forget, you know, this is going to, you know, just as a constant reminder. And I think that's important as an organization. So, you know, and, and this is obviously talking about the behavioral wellness, but I get a lot of conversations from the police department, for example. They don't have a behavioral wellness coordinator full time. And their argument is, well, is there really enough work for them? You know, <laughs> oh, yes. is there 40 hours worth of work for them? And, and my response is, your organization is 600 plus. I'm an organization of 100 plus, and I could have two of Kim's. And so I think part of that is value. I see a lot of value to the employees, and I want to make sure that they see that value. And the way you show that value is commitment. I jokingly said, if you want to see priorities of, of an organization or an individual, look at their checkbook. What are you spending money on? If you're spending money on technology, then that's your priority. If you're spending money on staff and personnel and, and how to make a better environment, that's your priority. Yeah. And so I really look at the budget as a way to say, okay, where's my priorities as an organization? And for me, in this organization, with the help of Kim and others in the room, the priorities on staff, completely on staff. And that's where my biggest commodity is at, is a healthy workforce here and how to do that. Now, do I have naysayers in the room? We do. Uh, and do I get people coming to my office just ready to yeah, yeah, jump out me. Um, yes, we do. Is that right, Kim? <laughs> and a lot of that has to do with change, and they don't like to see the change, and change is difficult, and that's where Kim comes into play here um, to kind of help people manage the change of an organization here internally here. But I will say this, uh, and I'll talk a little bit about confidentiality, though, is that I, I have no idea who Kim talks to. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know the conversations. I don't know any, any engagements or anything at all. And so that has been very, very helpful for Kim and for staff to recognize. I don't ask about it. I don't engage to be blunt with you about it. I, I, there's so many other issues I'm dealing with here and how Kim manages her program is really on Kim to manage the program. Um, and that's important. And I'd like to speak to that as well. I the success of this program is so much because of the support of Director Odom. I have um, colleagues who are creating their own programs. I mean, when you come into something new, you're trying to reach out and, and figure out, like, how did you do this? Or what are yeah. best practices you learned? And, and so one thing I have heard time and time again, how fortunate I am that I have the support of, of the director. And this, like, I'll pitch ideas to him. And I don't think he said no to me yet. It's more like, okay, let me figure that out. Let me figure out the budget on that. Let me figure out how to make that work. But so I'm so fortunate that way. And then the confidentiality piece of it, I mean, that's huge in an organization because anyone who utilizes it, there's just that inherent mistrust of it. Like what's going to get back to leadership? What it, and I don't get questioned at all. on it. So that just makes it easier for me. I mean, oh, yeah. I wouldn't share anything, but just the fact that I don't even have to worry about that is has been so great. So the success, when we talk about success, it's been so much because of the foundation that the directors provided for the program. Well, this is, I, I could talk about this all day with you guys, and I just can't because I like to keep the sessions around an hour and we're coming up on that time and it really bums me out. I, I know I'll have you guys on again you know, uh, maybe even in a year to see how many 
other programs that you initiated, what was successful, what wasn't successful? Because I do think, I feel like we had a conversation about um, you guys were bringing in some massage folks, right? Has yeah. that happened? That has happened, yeah. And so how was it received? Simple. How yeah. was it received? It was, you know, the first, because uh, we we were trying to accommodate all the shifts, obviously. Anyway, great response. Yeah, it, you know, completely booked for the morning session. We had a couple people who couldn't make it and the spots were, you know, filled immediately. But yep. it's just those little things. But and massages are a huge, you know, benefit and the work that they're doing sitting at their desk. So it has lots of different um, positives to it. But yeah, yes, that's an example of something that that we provided and that was approved and might sound like out left field, but got it, got it done. But, no, the, reality, but the reality of that program though, it wasn't that expensive at the right. big, I mean, I, we spent a lot of money here as an organization. I have a $11 million budget. Now at the end of the day, that wasn't really a heavy lift. Mm -hmm. And, but man, what a response we got from the floor to say, I can't believe you're doing this. Um, right. This engagement for, for our well-being is not just, hey, thank yous, but let me show you something else. And so, and it wasn't, at the end of the day, it wasn't really a big money draw here for us. Um, but, right. but when you say it to people, hey, we're going to bring massage therapy into the organization. They're like, are you kidding me? Oh. And I'm like, no, no, we're doing that too. You know, and so I think that promotes this activity of that we care so much about you as the employee. Well, I'm just happy because I know we were chatting right before that was going to take place and you you guys weren't sure how it was going to be received. So I had to ask how it was received. And I'm really happy that that it was received well. And it is something that you now know, like and something they can look forward to, too. Right. Like, it's always good to have something to look forward to. Absolutely. I think so. Yeah. But. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I know that we're going to chat about me coming down to your area to do some of, of my training stuff. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, but keep doing what you're doing. You're you're making a big difference. And, and this podcast is going to go out. And I hope it gets shared all over and that more folks can say, you know what? This is something different. This is a different type of program and a different type of position. But boy, I hope that that you are the leader in this. And that more agencies take take place doing this. Well, I will say this though is that we we are an open book here, so we will share every the success and failures that we've experienced here to anybody. It, it's it's very very important to us as an industry here to really look at our folks here. But so Kim has got a nice suitcase and is willing to travel if that's what needs to happen here. So uh, uh, however we can help others, please let be us careful what you wish for. Be careful uh, what you wish for. for. Any agencies in Hawaii, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you both for the amazing work that you're doing for putting the telecommunicator first. You know, this is a huge passion of mine and I appreciate both of you for what you do. And, and I'm so glad that our paths crashed into each other. <laughs> that's right. Thank you. Tracy, what you're doing. Thank you. Hey, heroes. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please like and follow me on my On Scene First social media so you too can keep up with my shenanigans. And make sure you get to know our friends over at NGA911. You can start by heading over to their social media and thanking them for being our premier sponsor. Remember, stay safe, stay strong, and stay here. We need you.